Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. I am here today with my very silly co-host, <laughs> Millicent Ravello, Dr. Millicent Ravello. How are you doing? I am doing okay. How are you? I know you're a little tired. You had, saw 49,000 people today. Yes, I, this week's been a little rough. I'm gearing up to leave for vacation, so I jam-packed everything into the past week. And so I'm a little tired, which makes me a little loopy and a little goofy. So apologies in advance. Well, that uh, it's good that you're going on vacation. I know. I never go on vacation, like ever. So this is like good. Like ever. Like, like literally like ever. No, this is going to be good for you. And I think uh, it'll be nice to be uh, take a break, get a little minute. I, on the other hand, try to take vacation as often as possible. Yeah, you do a pretty good job of that. I do. I think yeah. it's really important to recharge. I've got a zillion kids. I need mm. to see them. And so that's where, you know, it has to, you got to get time. You know, it's really key. So I've been told. Good. <laughs> Today, we're going to talk about African-American rhinoplasty. Yes. And it's a topic that I actually can't believe we haven't done. When you mentioned it the other day, I was like, huh. I can't believe we haven't talked about this. I know. And it's it's a really uh, important topic from a rhinoplasty standpoint because there's so much nuance and uh, difference with the African-American rhinoplasty. And you can kind of lump in uh, Caribbean peoples with this podcast as well because, you know, the Caribbean rhinoplasty and even some... Uh, even some like uh, Central American mm-hmm. cultures have similar aspects yes. to their noses that really make these rhinoplasty operations different and have their own challenges to get great results. And it's not only that the techniques have to be a little different or that they might be more challenging in other ways, is that you also have to come at it from a different aesthetic angle in some regards because you really need it to match the face because you can't come at it with the same aesthetic goals that you would with a Caucasian rhinoplasty. A hundred percent. It is definitely a different... And on top of that, the, not only is the aesthetic obviously different, but the subtlety, and, and this actually... The subtlety of actually African-American, and I want the emphasis on the American part of that uh, term, because patients from Africa are really different in what their aesthetic goals are than mm. African-American patients. And I have patients from, uh, I have patients from Ghana. I have a patient uh, from Sierra Leone. I have patients from, uh, uh, from Nigeria who've come for rhinoplasty and their aesthetic goals are really different than African-American oh, that's patients. And there's a difference between West coast African-American <laughs> and East coast African-American. <laughs> and I'm not talking about rap <laughs> battles, <laughs> which <laughs> has been going on since, since the beginning of rap. Uh, but I will tell you that aesthetics are really different. And in fact, I did a piece for TV one, um, like back in the day, like I think I was like 38 years old or something when I did this piece. And we talked about, you know, how African-American rhinoplasty was really almost taboo. And, Mm. you know, basically what every, you know, what the whole concept of African-American patients having plastic surgery at the time I did that piece was like, oh no, we don't, we, that's our people. No, Hmm. we do not have plastic surgery. It's not, it's not looked well upon. 
It's a little different now. It's a little bit different now. A little different now. Now, in 2022, that piece updated would, would be very different because people do speak out about their, their plastic surgery and their aesthetic goals have evolved from you know, the super subtle to more, more aggressive. They want to change. So what are the specific challenges that are unique to the African-American nose? <clears throat> so, first of all, you have to kind of dial in on each individual nose because, you know, African-American is a, you know, it seems like it's a specific term. It's not. I mean, African-American patients come, you know, there's difference in, in the noses from, you know, thinner bony bridges to almost no bridge. Sure. Uh, <clears throat> wide ailer bases to narrow ailer bases. If you go to West Africa, you find uh, people that have like much wider ailer bases, flatter tips and flatter bridges. And if you go to Ethiopia, you find noses that are much more Arabic looking and mm. they're more bony bridged and, and narrower uh, ailer bases. And so... And for uh, Tracy in Wisconsin, the ailer base is the distance from nostril to nostril. And so a lot of times with African-American rhinoplasty, you're talking about doing several things, building up the bridge, narrowing the tip, and narrowing the ailer base, and projecting the tip as well. That's sort of the classic thinking. But so, so the first thing to do is to ask the patient, what are you looking to achieve? Ask them. Because... Everybody's got a different idea of what they what they want to see when this is over. And I had a patient, and and we can talk like mixed race is a whole different sure. category. I had a guy, and I think we've talked about him before, who was his father was a six foot six African American football player, NFL player, and his wife was a five foot two blonde haired, blue eyed Swedish woman. <laughs> and so he was a really unique looking cat, and he came in for a rhinoplasty. And I said, well, what do you want? He goes, well, I want to have a little bit more of an African-American look, but I want to kind of retain the 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 Swedish mom nose. And, and he, then in the end, he goes, I don't know, do something cool. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and I did. I did something cool for him, and he loved it, and he's he's happy to this day. And that was a long time ago as well. But that that really stuck with me because when he showed me a picture of his mom and his dad – and then how he looked, it was like unique because you could see the, you know, oh, that's from the mom and that's mm. from the dad. And you, you could really see where it yeah. all kind of came together. So make the diagnosis, ask them what they want, then make a diagnosis. So they want this. What do I see? What do I see as the surgeon that, you know, I can affect a, a transformation on this nose to l make it look the way they want? Right. And that's the key. I mean, that's not unique to African-American rhinoplasty, right? That's pretty much rhinoplasty across the board. No faces alike, no noses alike. So that's where you really have to get specific with the patients in terms of what they want. But then when it comes to the actual techniques, there definitely are certain challenges that we see intraoperatively that are a little bit more specific to the African-American nose. Thick skin. Thick skin is definitely one of them, which can be a good or bad thing. It can camouflage some of the irregularities that a thinner-skinned patient might see, but it also makes it harder to see definition in the nose. Right. And typically, patients that don't have a lot of definition to begin with in the African-American population don't really want a lot of definition when it's all over. They want to kind of keep that look. Um, whereas like a thick-skinned Persian patient 
with a thick tip skin will say, I want massive definition. Like it's just a cultural difference. And so with that, you know, when, when they have thick skin and they want definition, you're (laughs) good luck. Yeah. Sorry. (laughs) We we can try. Um, But with that said, one of the things that I really see, and I, and I learned this early on in my practice is that when you elevate the skin, on a thick-skinned African-American patient, you really have to do it in a way that you isolate the skin from this very thick fibro-fatty layer that is classic mm-hmm. in in the African-American nose that causes it to look very amorphous and thick. and with yeah, it just doesn't you don't have that definition. So when you elevate the skin, leave down that fibro fatty layer. It's a little bloodier because of that, but not terrible. And then, then remove that fibro fatty layer off of the, uh, the structure, all of the underlying structures. Now I will tell you about a case that I did on, uh, and just a, he's just a great guy. And I needed to do a DCF graft to build up his, his bridge. And I never needed to get the, the fascia. A DCF graft is a dice cartilage and fascia graft. I never needed to get the fascia. Because his fibro fatty layer was so thick and huge, I used it as the fascia layer. And I did a dice cartilage and fibro fatty fascia to make his, his bridge. And I never had to cut the side of his head. That is pretty cool. It, it's been amazing. I <laughs> see him on Instagram all the time. He's like, Dr. Calvert, you're the best. And you know, it's just all the time. And he's an incredible guy. His DC... F, you know, it's fibro <laughs> fatty, <laughs> has held up beautifully. So I don't think that's going to happen all the time. But I mean, his nose was so broad and so wide and so big that the fibro fatty layer was just awesome. It was just perfect for what you needed. And it worked great. And he's got a great nose. We narrowed the alar base. We projected the tip. I did need to take some ear cartilage because a lot of times the septum isn't very it's robust. Not. It's usually pretty small. Right. So relatively. you have to... You have to have a plan for what, what cartilage you're going to use. And that may be rib cartilage, it may be ear cartilage, and it may be cadaver rib. Yeah, that's what, that was my next question. was actually going to be how frequently do you take rib cartilage to build up the nose? Well, in, in the African-American nose that needs projection, I don't typically need rib. I typically will use their septal cartilage, the little piece that I get for the Kalimauer strut, and then I use ear cartilage for the rest. Um, but... If they say, go ahead and take the rib, I'm, I'm happy to do it. Yes, like, please. You got it. May I? <laughs> yeah, because the rib is awesome. It's great. Know? It gives you so many options. It does. And it gives you lots of cartilage. It's strong. But again, on you know, most patients having primary rhinoplasty don't really don't want a rib graft. for that. Yeah. No, it's kinda... But it is nice when you can get it. Now, it's really nice it, when you can get it. It is. And, and to contrast, in the Asian patient population, because it's become so commonplace to use rib grafts in primary rhinoplasty, they don't have a problem with it when they come in. Yeah, it's, like it's a known thing. Yeah, as I said, when I was in Shanghai at the My Lai Hospital in 2018, the, uh, <laughs> the operation that they did day in and day out was dice cartilage and fascia with a rib graft. That was it. They were not using dorsal implants. The, the silicone implants was a th- uh, were a thing of the past at that hospital. And they're dealing with a similar issue. They're trying to build up the height of the nose. Right. Yeah. So, so again, the African-American rhinoplasty that you know sort of classically comes to mind is building up the bridge a bit. Um, typically, you don't need to do osteotomies, but once in a while you do. You have to, you have to uh, ma- 
do a massive evaluation of the nasal bones, like really feel them, really understand how big they are and what you need to do with them, whether you're going to just build on top or whether you're going to move them and try and narrow them because it depends how much projection there is to start. And then let's talk about the Ehler basis because this is always a big issue. This is where the rubber meets the road. Right. What do you do with the Ehler basis? The Ehler basis being the bottom of the nostrils, basically. Right. And typically narrowing them can be done a lot of different ways. And I do my Ehler bases in a very unique way. And I think you're, you're sold on that approach as well. Um, I don't like to cut up on the side of the face. Right. Yeah, that is a very... I can't stand it. It's not always an invisible scar. It's never invisible, and it's yeah. awful. I can't... Yeah. Uh, no. And, you're, and there's, there's blood supply issues going up the side of the nose. Agreed. You did sell me on that one. Yeah, so I like to cut in the sill, in the crease, take away nasal sill. If I have to take some nostril away, I take it in that seated portion yeah. against the face here. I, I don't like to cut up on the side of the nose. Yeah, oh, that's it's not, just so it's not awful. cute. It's not, that's not good. And, you know, there's some textbook, and somebody's going to be listening to this right now and just go, mother of pearl. <laughs> there's some textbook that says you should cut the other bases up on the side of the nose a millimeter off of the crease. I, I am not joking. Mm-hmm. And they say because you can suture it perfectly and you won't see the scar. And right now somebody's going, well, you can see mine. <laughs> Son of a motherless goat. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those scars are hard to heal. And they so, don't. And when they're wrong, yeah, they're wrong the for right good. Place. Yeah. But, but it's not uncommon in an African-American nose to need to do something to the alar basis. Some patients don't want you to touch it. They're perfectly fine. Um, but a lot of times the request is to narrow that distance a little bit. Yeah, I mean, the largest ailer base that I have in my practice on record is 67 millimeters. That's really... That's super that's wide. That's really wide. Because if you think about it, and I know this because I'm a six and a half glove, which means that my index finger is six and a half centimeters. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> so there you go. 67 millimeters. And what I did... I didn't do it all at once. I said, we're going to do this in stages so that we don't get bad scarring. I'm going to do one round and then we're going to come back six months later and do another round. And that worked great. Mm, I could see that. The Ehler cinch where you put a stitch from nostril to nostril and run it through the maxilla. It works initially. looks awesome. Talk to me in six months. Mm. It always cheese wires through and spreads back back out. Back to where you are. Doesn't work. I'm not a fan. If you're going to try to plaster a nostril down you have to drill the the piriform aperture you got to drill the maxilla and try to haul it down i guess you could use my tech anchors but that seems it's pretty extreme extreme <laughs> it's getting pretty extreme for a rhinoplasty <laughs> right. and then the issue that then comes up so you've done the surgery right and you've built up the nose maybe you've narrowed the alar bases given them a little bit of definition not a lot now they're in their post-op phase And this is where things are also a little bit different in the recovery, mainly related to that thick skin and the swelling. Oof. The swelling is... The swelling is... The swelling can be rude. It is very real for these patients. And it can be pretty rude. So you have to be ready for that. Hyperbaric oxygen is a a massively awesome adjunct to thick skin rhinoplasty of any ethnicity. Right. It gets that swelling to come down 
a lot faster, but it's still going to be an issue. And so when you're sitting there at week six and you heard that six weeks is the magic number of when things start to look great, and you're no. looking at your nose and it still no. looks like kind of like a potato, <laughs> you got some questions. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you got to be ready for it. And so this is one of those moments where you kind of got to gear up and recognize like, okay, it's going to be better, but it's going to take a while to see the final result, which is kind of the case in rhinoplasty. In general. Anyway. But in a thin-skinned patient, you see the results a lot sooner. thick skin African-American noses with a lot of maneuvers to get the right shape wind up swelling a lot more. Yeah. So what do you tell them for final results? Oh, it, it's a year. A year. It, it's a year, if, if not 18 months. Yeah. You know, because that induration and what that is, is like I, somebody asked me, why is it so swollen for so long? I said, okay, when you get like, well, not you, but when someone gets punched in the face, they swell, they get a goose egg, and then it goes back down. That's one type of swelling, and that's from acute trauma. This swelling is more like if you took a, a, a log, like from like the, just like a tree, and threw it in the ocean, and let it float around for six months to a year, and then it washed up on shore. How long do you think it's going to take to get that water out of that log? That is the term waterlogged. Waterlogged. <laughs> so when you, when you talk about the induration of these types of operations that takes a year, it's because it's in the tissue. It's not right. a pool of, of fluid that's under the skin, like when you got the goose egg from the, you know, the right. right hook you took in the, in the bar fight or the elbow in the rugby game is more the case in my, my world. But, uh, it, this is more like that log floating in the right. ocean, washing up on shore and say, let's dry this thing out. Well, it's not going to be done in two hours. You can't get the hair dryer right. and get that and get that water out of there. Yeah, the water is deep in the tissues. Right. And that's the difference. And that's what I think people have to understand is that the that inflammation, that inflammatory response of peeling out the fibro fatty layer and and adjusting the the cartilages and and moving things around and bringing in the nostrils, the swelling is going to be a lot more robust than if you just kind of shave down a little hump right. and you know trim Raise some cartilage. Raise a little skin flap. And, yeah. yeah, it's a different kind of totally different. So yeah, and I, and I think in terms of the aesthetics, which I, I you know we we touched upon, but you got to really get it from the patient because you, you, you do, you got to hear what they're looking at. Yeah. Cause I had, there are some patients that come in and they, you know, they, they do want a more Caucasian nose. They want a higher bridge. They want more definition. They want the narrow nostrils, but then I have a lot that come in and just say, I want to respect the ethnicity of my nose, totally. but this, this, and this I don't like. Yeah. And that, and you just kind of got to go with it. Yeah. You know, it's like, we can do a lot of different things. And, you know, subtlety is, is sort of the rule in African-American rhinoplasty until the patient tells me otherwise. Makes sense. Anything else about no, African-American rhinoplasty? My apologies that we didn't do this one earlier. Yeah. It's well, taken so long to get here. Yeah, it's a really, well, I mean, I, I, I do a fair number of African-American rhinoplasties each year. And it's not, you know, it, it's not something that, uh, is every week, but you know, it, it's, it's a good number and I, I, I like my results and I think my patients like the results because you gotta, you gotta just comes back down to it. Make a diagnosis, make a plan and execute flawlessly. I think that's it. 
Well, and this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. If you like what you heard on the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast and want to get in touch with either Dr. Ravello or myself, this is how to do it. You can reach me at the website, RavelloPlasticSurgery.com. You can reach out to the office directly through the website with any questions or consult requests, or you can call the office directly at 310-954-1355. And you can reach me on Instagram at Ravello Plastic Surgery. And to reach me, the phone number is 310-777-8800. My website is drcalvert.com, drcalvert.com. Instagram, Dr. J. Calvert. And of course, you may want to check out our YouTube channel for the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast, which is simply that, Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. Hope to see you all in the office very soon. Uh-huh.